0: Welcome to the Health Leaders Revenue Cycle Podcast. I'm Alexandra Pecci, Revenue Cycle Editor for Health Leaders. Today I'm so excited to welcome Seth Cohen, co-CEO and co-founder at Uda Health, and Meterey Wehara, co-founder and head of provider partnerships at Uda Health. Uda is a healthcare technology company providing a payment platform that aligns payers and providers to make healthcare more affordable and accessible. Seth and Meterey, thank you so much for being here. Thanks thank for having you for us. Having us. I don't need to tell anyone in this audience that the relationship between payers and providers can sometimes be difficult to manage. One of the things that keeps revenue cycle leaders awake at night is dealing with payers, whether that's denials, DRG downgrades, keeping up with changes, out-of-network billing, and the list goes on and on. Instead of continuing that adversarial back-and-forth relationship between payers and providers, Uda Health has completely reimagined it and also how the revenue cycle fundamentally works. Uda's partners include Anthem, Common Spirit Health, Blue Cross Blue Shield of Massachusetts, Blue Shield of California, Hill Physicians Medical Group, Blue Cross Blue Shield of Arizona, and many others. So, of course, the big question for you guys right away is what is OODA Health? What do you do and how do you do it?
1: Great. Yeah, I'm happy to take that one. So Uda Health is a healthcare technology company, and as you mentioned, we are reimagining the revenue cycle. So, what does that really mean? Uh, we are looking at the revenue cycle from the start to the finish, from pre-service all the way through denials management. And we're rethinking where could the payer and provider relationship be different, right? Because what we see is the revenue cycle, which has historically been a provider set of activities to seek reimbursement, often involves a very broken relationship with their payer partners. And so what we've done is we've identified a couple areas within revenue cycle where we see that relationship to be most broken, and we're focusing on solutions there. And so, in our view, two of the most broken parts of revenue cycle from a payer-provider relationship perspective is prior authorization and patient billing. Prior authorization is not a surprise to most. Um, it is a is a process that has a lot of friction to it. Payers and providers often are faced with a very antagonistic set of interactions to approve services that providers deem necessary. Usually not much debate there. What I'd love to spend a little bit more time on is explaining the patient billing one, because that's often one that folks are a little bit surprised to hear. Patient billing has historically been a provider-centric set of activities, right? It's been the provider burden to chase patients for bills. What we see though is that the payer should have a very different role here because ultimately it is the payer that has designed and created a product it is the payer that has created that deductible but it's often now the provider that's spending the time educating patients on stuff they never created
0: such a great and so point. for us we
1: see an opportunity yeah we see an opportunity to actually introduce the payer into the equation and to help them take back some responsibility for the products they make
0: so walk us through that process from start to finish from everyone-involved's perspective, the patient, the provider, and the payer. What do they each see, do, and experience, and then what is Uda's role in kind of facilitating that and bringing it all together?
2: I'm happy to speak to this question. So focusing on OODA Pay, our, our patient billing solution, from the patient standpoint, when they're using OODA Pay for their financial experience after having a healthcare visit, they will see a streamlined and intuitive bill that they can, they can be informed of what they owe either through paper, if that's truly their preference, but more often, digital channels. Um, getting at what Seth was talking about of the payer's role, the, the typical, and I'll set up a contrast uh, to understand, the typical patient financial experience is pretty bare bones. Patients will see a sum that they owe. Maybe there's confusing language about what the services were that resulted in that charge. There's a befuddling uh, charged amount, some kind of adjustment. What UdaPay does is we make all of that intuitive for the patient. We communicate what they owe very clearly. We make it really easy for them to make a payment. And then most critically, We tell them why they owe what they owe by infusing benefits context into the entire billing experience in a a seamless way. So that includes benefits information, accumulator status, any tax advantaged accounts they may have. So for example, HSA, FSA, HRA, are within that billing experience embedded. And so it's really a one-stop shop when a, a patient is looking at what they owe uh, instead of having to, um, instead of having to go to different portals to understand what they owe, they can see it all within UDA Pay. So that's from the patient standpoint. From the provider point of view, when they work with UDA and, and bring UDA Pay to their patients, we are lifting the burden and complexity of having to bill patients off of off of their plates. Uh, and every activity from start to finish. And so what we do is we integrate with their systems and we integrate across EHRs. We assume responsibility for all of the activities of billing. And then we take on the communications with the patient under under the provider's brand. We also uh, provide high touch customer support in addition to all of the technology assets and then another key lever that we enable through Udipay is real engagement with patients. Uh, we know that providers are trying to get different messages to patients, not just about their bills, but about other programs that might be available. And so we fold those types of communications into the patient billing experience so that it's a much more strategic touch point. And then finally, I'll, I'll go through the payer and then I'll, I'll take a breath, but From the payer standpoint, as Seth mentioned, we are activating the payer's resources to contribute to this problem of a terrible patient financial experience. Um, We are connecting with payers directly to get that benefits and accumulate our information, to facilitate integration with those tax advantaged accounts, and also to have an open conversation and dialogue. And this is a little bit more qualitative, but to have a dialogue with their key provider partners about how they can work together in service of their mutual patients or or members.
0: So, bottom line for providers is they're getting paid up front and they're not billing the patient.
2: There are a couple of different economic models available to providers, and so a more common one actually is a contingency fee model where the provider is, is receiving everything that. UDA is able to collect from patients, net a fee. And so they've actually, um, you know, some some history there is that because we've demonstrated such strong results when it comes to the financial side of increasing collections, most of our provider partners would actually like to share in that financial upside and so opt for an economic model that is a contingency fee rather than an upfront guaranteed payment.
0: We're going to take a quick break, stay with us for more with Seth and Miri when we come back.
2: Hi, this is Jack O'Brien, Finance Editor at Health Leaders. I'm here to tell you to check out the Health Leaders Finance Podcast, which drops every third Thursday of the month. On my show, I sit down with healthcare finance executives for in-depth discussions regarding high-level topics affecting the industry, including revenue diversification, cost containment strategies, provider consolidation, and digital investment, among others. Subscribe and listen now to the Health Leaders Finance podcast on Spotify, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or Stitcher.
0: Welcome back. We're talking with Seth Cohen and Mittery Wehara from Uta Health. The next question that pops into my mind is why would a payer want to enter into this kind of partnership?
1: (laughs) Uh, We get that question quite a bit, as you can imagine, right? Um, So payers could say, well, patient billing is not our problem, so why do we want to make it our problem, right? We hear that all the time. And I think that um, it's important to first start with that question, right? Is it really not the payer's problem today, right? Um, When a payer designs an insurance product and there's cost share, but that cost share does not get collected in full, that cost share does not just disappear. (laughs) You know, it, it actually... Um, is written off as bad debt and accounted for on a provider's book. And the more the bad debt accumulates, the higher the rates the provider must negotiate in order to compensate for that bad debt. So the first thing we have to remember is that when a patient does not pay their bill, it's not a provider problem, it's a system problem. And the system includes the payer. Right, and if there are opportunities to reduce bad debt, then therefore there are opportunities to reduce the overall rate increases in healthcare. So that's kind of starting point one is to remind everyone, not least the payer, that bad debt is not just a provider issue; it comes right back into the managed care negotiations with the payer. The second thing is around member experience. Right, um, we know that billing is the single worst part of a patient's experience with healthcare. And it is the single biggest detractor from an MPS score. And when a member has a bad experience, they don't just blame the provider. Inevitably, we've all gone to a provider with a question on the bill, and the response is almost inevitably, well, your coverage isn't great, or call your insurance company, or if they've denied this, or they wouldn't uh, pay for this. So again, it's not just a provider problem. That member experience is absolutely impacting the payer. And so, what we tell the payer is you have two choices. You can continue to suffer the impacts of this without having any control or influence, or you can actually take some responsibility and a more active role to improve it. And I will be honest, uh, we have been really pleasantly surprised to see just how many payers immediately get this now. Uh, We thought, frankly, it would be much harder to convince payers to take a role in this, and it frankly has not been. I think that it's been. Uh, you know, maybe because of competitive dynamics, maybe because of calls for Medicare for all, maybe just because member experience is seen as a more critical way to maintain loyalty and retention. We've seen a lot of interest from the payer community.
0: On the other side, what are some questions that you get from revenue cycle leaders, both as they're hearing about this for the first time, you know, before they join the partnerships and then after while they're working with you?
2: How much time do we have I can I can <laughs> share all of them. Yeah we get we get a lot of great super thoughtful questions from our provider partners upfront we hear very often what makes you Uda different from every other patient billing vendor that is knocking down my door right now and our answer is quite simple which is our orientation is more holistic and we bring in that payer context and resources. And the result is better outcomes in the form of higher collections performance and unparalleled patient satisfaction. We also hear, and this is more around the trust issue between payer and provider, you know, why should I trust the payer to help with my revenue cycle? Uh, I, I negotiate, I'm across the table from them every year, every couple of years negotiating a contract. I'm not so sure I want them involved in something as sensitive as uh, my relationship with my patient. And so we've developed a number of approaches to patient billing that ensure that both payers and providers are comfortable with the roles that they're playing and in collaborating. Uh, And so I think we've been able to open a dialogue that mitigates that concern. Uh, And it's also relationship specific. Another common question, of course, is, do you integrate with my particular system or systems? You know, I have this legacy EHR with this imperfect connection to a soon-to-be retired practice management system. Can you consolidate my fragmented systems? And we're really proud of the solution architecture that we've developed, which is system agnostic and relies on standard feeds, standard transactions leveraging the EDI 835, 837 flows to communicate information so that we can truly be system agnostic and consolidate across a provider's disjointed systems, even if they have some that are new and have modern architecture, others that may be uh, on the way out, but we can work across them all. So, those are a couple of the key questions that we are very happy to, to answer. From our provider partners.
0: Why is this arrangement good for everyone involved and how does each party benefit?
1: I'm happy to take that. Let's think about the different parties and break them down. First, let's start with the most important, which is the patient. The patient uh, suffers a pretty miserable billing experience today. Um, I think that, you know, one thing I've learned uh, you know, working in this space now for a couple of years is anytime I tell family or friends that I'm doing something in patient billing, inevitably I get cornered uh, and uh, told about some awful experience. Did you know about this one time where I got this hospital bill and it was a total surprise? Or, you know, just, everyone has an experience like this, which is really unfortunate. We don't feel the same way about other consumer experiences we have. When we purchase things on Amazon or we go to hotels uh, or we travel, we don't typically come away with a horrible billing experience with nearly the kind of frequency we do in healthcare. And unfortunately, it's only getting worse because patient deductibles are going up, not down. They're, in fact, increasing, uh, increasingly going higher, even more so after COVID, because there's a lot of folks who are in the gig economy or maybe rolling off of a large group plan, going into an exchange where deductibles can be quite high. So the patient billing experience has been miserable. It's only getting worse. Um, and frankly, it's not working because half of all patient balances do not get paid. So not only is it a miserable experience, it's just not effective either. So starting there, I think there's ample, ample opportunity to improve. And frankly, it's a very low bar. From the provider side, I think Metery captured it well, The provider, um, frankly, is is at a ceiling, so to speak, um, of how much they can collect, right? And part of that ceiling is driven by the fragmentation of the current model. The providers can do a ton and they do a ton today to make the bills look nice, to offer an online portal where you can pay, maybe payment plans where applicable. All that's great. But at the end of the day, if a patient is staring at a bill that they do not understand, if they're staring at a bill they did not expect, or if they're looking at a bill and cannot match it to an EOB from their payer, they will not pay it. And so no provider can solve this problem alone. And by bringing the payer in, we can break that ceiling that they're stuck at and actually get them much closer to what they're contractually owed. So getting them that yield, as well as a better patient experience, is the key for the provider, and not least the payer. As I mentioned earlier, yes, payers initially wonder why they should get involved, but when we explain that this is not just a provider problem, it is a system problem, they quickly get it, and they have a huge opportunity to support their patient community and also support their provider community and make sure that the contracts they're setting up are actually getting uh, realized.
0: Let's talk about specific outcomes for providers. How does this partnership improve revenue cycle KPIs?
1: Yeah, we
2: we improve a couple of really important outcomes for providers. One that most of our partners are laser focused on is their yield or their net collections. And what we've been able to show with our our partners and relationships to date is a 20% improvement on the baseline of collections. We are also able to accelerate collections and reduce that bad debt expense as a result. Uh, One thing that we've been able to do that drives the reduced bad debt expense is enroll more patients into payment plans who otherwise would not have been able to pay we make it very easy for patients to match their payment schedule to their budget, which has enabled patients who previously would simply not pay, get onto a plan that works for them. And then another really important metric that our partners are are focused on is patient satisfaction. There are a couple of different ways that we measure that and different health systems, as I'm sure you know and appreciate use different metrics to measure patient satisfaction, but the ones that we use are uh, just a simple satisfaction score after the patient completes a payment. And then we also use NPS, and it's important for us to get good baseline data. But as I mentioned, I think uh, in just earlier, we've been able to achieve a 96% patient satisfaction rating, um, which is often, you know, an order of magnitude above what our partners have been able to achieve on their own. So those are a few of the metrics that we've seen in our relationships to date that we've really been able to move the needle on.
0: And how does it affect denials, or or denials not even a thing anymore?
2: For UDAPE, and then actually I'll, I'll I'll speak to our prior off solution briefly. UdaPay on the patient billing side is for the most part downstream of the denial interaction between a payer and provider. But what we're able to do is we're able to insulate the patient from the messy back and forth and serve as a single source of truth on what's going on. So let's say a bill is being disputed or a claim is being disputed between the payer and the provider very often today provider systems will automatically bill the patient for full charges because the claim hasn't been paid by the payer yet and sometimes their systems simply just send out a bill and that's really alarming and in fact that has happened to some of our UDIN employees before where they've received a bill for twenty thousand dollars plus and it says in fine print at the very bottom, we're sorting this out with your payer. So it's basically an interim bill. We get rid of that heartache and headache for patients by coordinating across the two. And so denials may still occur, but we're insulating the patient from the noise that they create by better coordinating the payer and the provider in those instances.
0: And I would imagine that will be really important Next year when the No Surprises Act goes into effect.
2: Yes, absolutely. When there will be perhaps even a longer time frame of sorting things out between payer and provider. You know, I mentioned before I, I want to speak to our prior auth solution as well, just briefly, because we know that a missing authorization or a mismatched authorization, those are also frequent reasons for denials. And our prior auth solution is automating and streamlining the authorization request process uh, within the payer and then feeding those results back to the provider. And what we're able to do is create a more reliable prior authorization process within the payer so that there are fewer of those mistaken denials for no auth sound, even though the provider did submit an off, I know that that's a huge pain point for many providers who are pulling out their hair saying, I'm submitting an off for everything I possibly could, and yet I'm still getting denied, even though I'm certain I I submitted that. So we're helping to normalize that process, automate it, and then make it more consistent and reliable so we don't get those unnecessary, noisy, denials due to some kind of breakdown in the process upstream on the payer side.
0: Finally, let's talk about the future even more. What are you working on to improve the program and what might it look like in five years, 10 years down the road?
1: Yeah, um, I could talk about that question all day long um, because there's so much opportunity here. Uh, Well, first let's talk about the two specific products that we mentioned in this podcast. So first is around patient billing. I think there's so much that we can do to uh, more deeply personalize the experience using claims information from the payer or prior off information from the payer. We can really uh, model a very clear projection of what that patient is likely going to encounter from a billing perspective and be much more customized in how we present bills. So for example, if we see uh, a prenatal claim come through and we can anticipate that the patient is expecting a pregnancy. Um, and then we can forecast what those costs likely might be, perhaps set up a longer-term payment plan that would cover the upcoming care as well, right? So again, moving away from this episodic transactional view of a patient and saying more holistically, what do we think that this patient's going to encounter? I also think on that personalization standpoint, we can think more about um, discounts and offers um, and incentives for patients. Uh, As we all know, when we interact with billing sites online you might get offers or discounts on a credit card statement in exchange for signing up with a promotion once again here why do we treat patients as they're just a receivable to be chased why not treat them as a member to be engaged and so in that spirit you could imagine a world in which you get ten dollars or twenty dollars off your bill or maybe your bill completely waived if you sign up for a care management program that we know is in your best interest long term and so i think one really exciting area again is moving away from this episodic view of a patient and thinking more longitudinally about what that patient really could benefit from long term Um, on the prior authorization side there's so much there we didn't spend as much time explaining that product in depth but just building on what metery was sharing uh, we think there's a lot that we can do to automate that process end to end and leveraging connectivity to emrs so that the provider is able to passively submit requests for prior authorization versus having to sit in front of a fax machine. So a lot more coming there. And then beyond both of those solutions, we continue to look across the revenue cycle, right? Prior authorization and patient billing are just two areas. We're looking a lot into denials management as well. And how do we support more efficient review of denials or even prevent them upstream? We're looking at managed care contracting and some of the ambiguity and labor intensity of contracting between payer and provider and what can we do to create smarter contracts there. So there are so many areas in revenue cycle where we see an opportunity to improve the payer-provider relationship and we're going to continue to invest in those areas as we build out our roadmap.
0: Seth and Meadery, it has been so wonderful talking with you. This is such a fascinating topic. Thank you for being here and sharing your expertise with us.
1: Thank you so much. This was a lot of fun.
0: Yeah, thank you, Alex. This is great. And thank you, listeners, for joining us on the Health Leaders Revenue Cycle podcast. Until next time, keep taking care of patients and each other.